Welcome to our Tignum Thoughtcast, where we get together with experts to dig a little deeper into one of our sustainable human performance topics. Today, we have a topic I know will resonate with everyone. We're going to talk about the B word, burnout. We're going to tackle the myths, talk about how people can truly get stronger in the storm, and how you can become hardier than you ever thought possible. And I'm sitting here with Dr. Anna Marie Yaska, probably the perfect person Um, She's a performance psychologist with the U.S. Army 3rd Special Forces Group, and this is going to be the perfect person to talk to this about. So for those of you that don't know anything about our special forces groups, they're kind of very unique because they're an elite group of soldiers. They work in small teams of 12. They insert themselves into very discrete battle zones, and they often join up with partner forces where they help them be more effective. So that means They literally have to be commandos, negotiators, trainers, strategic planners, and so much more. They even learn the language of the people they're going to work with. And they often live with their counterparts and they share in their culture and their way of life. So you can imagine in this world, they have to perform under very high stress. They wear multiple hats. Their work is often life and death. They have to endure very difficult challenges and loads. They have to show up at their best. And this is where Anna works all the time. So her job is to help these guys do this day in and day out, and then to come home and to show up at their family at their best. So she has the ultimate executives on her watch. So Anna's research is all around hardiness, resilience, burnout. How do we get stronger from stress? And how do we get better and stronger from challenges rather than crumble? Which unfortunately in our world, I think, Anna, so many people now almost assume that when we're under a huge workload or when the world is chaotic, that it automatically makes us weaker. But I'm glad I have you today because you're going to help everyone understand that doesn't have to be that way. So welcome. Yeah, Thank you so much, Scott, for having me. I'm excited to riff on this topic. I'm definitely passionate about it. Awesome. So I'm going to jump right in. And um, I know when it comes to the topic of burnout or resilience or whatever, there's so much misinformation. It's so much bad advice floating around. And I know you probably hear it a lot too. What is some of the biggest misleading thoughts or stories that are pushed around around burnout that you see? I think one thing that comes to mind right away is that the more we talk about it, the more we live it. The more we, the more we say, oh, I'm so burned out. I'm so tired. I'm so stressed. The more we actually feel that. And that's not entirely productive. I, I think that if we focus on, okay, I'm very positively engaged. I have a lot of things going on this week. Um, it, it shifts the dialogue. And then there's more of a focus on what are we moving towards? What are our goals? As opposed to dwelling in this more negative or um, dysfunctional space. And I notice, uh, you know, the guys I work with have a, a very stressful job. And oftentimes they'll come to me and they'll say, you know, I'm looking for some stress management because everybody tells me I'm stressed out. And I'm like, well, how do you know that you're stressed out? How do you know that you're you're burned out? And I'm sure that you have examples from your um, corporate leadership clients, but oftentimes that will then gear towards an individualized approach to burnout. And so I'd say the one of the frustrations I have is just that we we sometimes say it too much, and and two, there's no one size fits all model for tackling burnout. I think it needs to be based on the individual their goals and giving them some piece of measurable progress. So I'd say those are some of my pet peeves when it comes to burnout and this idea that we just need to do less. I don't think it's about doing less. I think it's about showing up differently 
and about uh, working differently. Yeah, I'm going to come back to the doing less um, kind of myth. But it is interesting when you think about an athlete. You know, you run a marathon, you expect people to be tired at the end of the marathon. They put a lot of effort in, especially if they push themselves to maybe get a personal record, right? Um, it's only in almost the business world that we assume that if you're fatigued at the end of the day, that you must be, something must be wrong. Something must have broken down or people use the word burnout. And it is interesting, as soon as you replace fatigue with the word burnout, it takes on a certain psychological phenomenon for you. And so I thought, you know, how would you actually define burnout or what is real burnout? I think burnout is when you're putting a lot of uh, a lot of work in, investing a lot of time, and you're not seeing the needle move. You're not seeing measurable progress. You're almost feeling like you're stuck on a hamster wheel. And I think that can be really tough if there's a lot of changes in your schedule. There's a lot of ambiguity. You feel like you're just constantly running around putting out fires um, as opposed to making forward progress. And so I don't think it's just about working too much. I think it's just not really seeing that return on your investment that contributes to the burnout and some of the frustration that people experience. Yeah. So the point you made about not seeing it is an interesting one because we choose where we shine our focus. And it's one of the things I learned after many years in the fire service is, you know, you come to work and you have this opportunity that people call you on their worst day and they're asking for help. And yet, so it seems like such an amazing job that you have this ability to make a difference in others' lives. And yet when you run calls on a 24-hour shift and you're exhausted at the end of the day or at the end of the shift in the morning, it's easy to forget about the impact you made and to just focus on how tired you are. And I would watch guys and girls burn out and literally lose their passion for the job because all they did was focus on the lack of sleep they got or the number of calls we went on or sometimes even the difficult calls. Although, to be honest, we would work those out and we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, but when you switched your focus to what impact did I make this past 24-hour shift, suddenly I felt, and I could see it in others, you would leave the fire station with a bounce in your step, almost like excited to share with someone. Do you find the same you know, with the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely, Scott. I love what you said about where we shine our light and where we shine our attention. Um, and there's, I think, some of my busiest days at work, I, I'm on a high driving home. I, I feel great. I feel, I feel like my cup has been filled. I'm so excited to go home and reflect on it and think about, okay, what worked well today? What can I do better? Um, and I think what's interesting, I mean, you, you saw people in the fire service on their worst day, and I'm trying to help um, our service members prepare for their potential worst day on a deployment and give them the tools that they have that automatic attentional focus on the right things at the right time when it matters most. And I think that comes from practicing long before that deployment, deployment or before that mission. Um, it's where are they shining their attention each day? Are they showing up and being fully present with their teammates, with their training? Are they getting the most out of training? Um, and that can be trained. You know, we hear oftentimes, oh, just pay attention. Well, that implies that we're, um, we're paying a toll or you pay a fee. That's when your attention is getting yanked around as opposed to where do you deliberately invest your attention? Are you noticing, hey, I helped somebody out today. That makes you feel better. Hey, I noticed that I got better at, at this particular skill. Um, I'm seeing that immediate feedback of shooting steel at the range. Okay, I know I'm improving because somebody is giving me that that expertise that expert feedback that I've um, that I've improved. And I think that's where that is almost the antidote to to burnout is 
um, having that that meaning, that purpose, and um, and some of those little measurable um, indicators along the way. Yeah. So you bring up purpose and meaning, and it reminds me of some of the research that was done by Dr. Suzanne Kobasa, who studied the deregulation of the phone industry, and she was studying the AT and T um, senior leaders. And she noticed that in this hugely chaotic time, the whole industry was changing. People's roles were getting redefined. People were, re, you know, resizing companies. But she noticed some people burned out, just literally almost collapsed. You could see them. It looked like they had had a major trauma. But other people seemed to get stronger, seemed to get more energized, seemed to get more invigorated. And she came up with the famous three C's, commitment, challenge, and control. And you just talked a little bit about commitment, this idea of identifying with a purpose, passion, or meaning. And one of the things of obvious, obviously, if you're working at that time for AT&T, you're not doing life-changing work. But it was interesting how people still found purpose, passion, and meaning being part of a team, representing a brand, trying to redefine an industry. You know, And so we often forget it's right in front of us that actually there is a purpose, you know, role modeling for my children that I get up, I go to work, I support my family, I follow through on my commitments, um, I, I'm committed to my personal growth and I'm learning today. All those can help. Do you use or do anything with these three, three, these three C's, commitment, challenge, and control in your work of trying to help people build hardiness? Yes, absolutely. And I remember having this this moment the other day in which I actually aligned the the research on hardiness with self-determination theory, uh, which is something I, I lean back on a lot. It's a theory of motivation, but I think it applies heavily to purpose, meaning like why do we why do we get up in the morning and go to jobs that are difficult, challenging, or dangerous? And I think that the difference in those that have or don't have hardiness is those that do have a compass for performance. And so they don't get they don't get lost along the way and lost in their frustration. And that comes from, from those, those three C's that you mentioned. For commitment, I hear our guys saying things like that sense of connecting with their tribe, looking out for each other. Um, with control, that's, that's autonomy. You know, we, all, we always want to feel like we have agency over our decision-making process and that we're in control of, of those controllables and not dwelling on the things that we can't control. Um, and also that idea of challenge. I mean, I, gosh, these guys go through the most challenging and rigorous training, and that's to prepare them for the worst case scenarios. And they lean into it. They have a, a challenge mindset rather than a threat mindset. And I think that those that have that approach, that really embody those um, those pieces, and most of the guys I work with, they're already doing that. I'm putting some science behind it and making that high performance more sustainable and more consistent but they have the ingredients and they have their compass. And sometimes it needs a little bit of re- refinement. You do a quick azimuth check to make sure that they're on the right track because um, inevitably life throws curveballs. But with those pieces, they tend to uh, perform at a high level, um, both um, at work, but also at home and in their personal relationships. Yeah. One of the things I think that I've seen the special forces do so well is they have a mission and they have which is a huge challenge essentially right there's some target or some reason that they're they're being deployed and they have the ability to break that huge challenge into smaller challenges so when you think of people burning out they're often thinking of this huge load they're under but what they don't realize is they can chunk it they could break it up into smaller loads and suddenly that's doable 
And in fact, smaller challenges match my skill set. And if I do this smaller challenge, my skill set gets bigger. And now I can handle the next bigger challenge and the next bigger challenge. And before you know it, that's another example of people getting stronger. Um, and do you see the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I think once you get that momentum, once you get the ball rolling, it's easier to, to continue to, to chip away. Um, and I think that a lot of these guys, they're really tackling complex problems. There's a high level of ambiguity. Um, and they, if they see a little, little bit of measurable progress or um, they tackle one particular challenge, it reinforces their confidence and more importantly, their confidence to tackle harder challenges and uh, be able to make that something that's pervasive among their teams. I think one of the things, you know, you mentioned this concept of control. And it is interesting when I've worked with clients, when they start to really use the B word and talk about being burned out. And then I ask them about the things they're worried about. And almost inevitably, the list is long of things they can't control. And the list is short of the things they're focusing on that they can control. And you mentioned ambiguity. And I know one way that we can function better in ambiguity, which is the world we're in right now for everybody, is to to constantly pull out that piece of paper and write down, what am I worried about that's out of my control? And what am I worried about that's in my control? I know you have a little framework that you also use around that. Maybe you could share that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, right off the top of my head, I think we we end up spending, I think I read like 60% of our day just focused on the wrong things. We're usually doing mental time travel, I like to call it, where we're either worrying about something that hasn't happened yet that we don't, we can't control or feeling guilty or dwelling on something from the past that, again, we also can't control unless somebody has a time machine out there and is holding out on us. Um, and so I oftentimes tell guys, okay, let's focus on the controllables. Let's identify what those are. Let's own the shit out of them. Let's see what we can influence. And then what do we have to accept at the end of the day? Like what is, what is just going to be um, a part of the process? Because then that's going to dictate, I think you said the phrase earlier, where we shine our light, where we shine our attention. And if we're constantly shining it on things that we can't do anything about, it's super frustrating. Um, we can't we can't influence those things. We can't change other people's behavior, but we can be a part of um, a different process. So if I hear you right, you have three columns: things I can change, things I may be able to influence, and then what was the third column? Things that are completely out of my control. Uh, things you have to accept. So CIA accept. is the. Uh, there you go. Is the, yeah. is the quick acronym. I, I live in a world of acronyms, so sometimes it's just easier to uh, chunk things, as you said. The concept of acceptance, it's a little bit Taoist, but it is so powerful, right? How much energy we spend fighting things, fighting against the current that is going to carry us anyway. And this idea of when I'm aware of things that I can accept and I can go with the current, suddenly I influence the things that I can influence and I control the things I can control. And suddenly I'm moving down the river almost exactly on target to where I wanted to go with way less energy, way less resistance. And that's one of the things I see with burnout is that often it's people fighting against the system, fighting against the load rather than saying, okay, how can I think about this different? We know that all fatigue is not the same. And so we break fatigue down into physical fatigue, cognitive fatigue, and emotional fatigue. And one of the things we saw during COVID and we still see today is that people were using physical recovery strategies, could be something like massage um, or cold plunge, and yet it was for emotional fatigue and it wasn't working. 
And then they would get frustrated or more uh, stressed because they felt even less in control of their own recovery. And one of the things that I found to be super helpful is to be aware of what type of fatigue are you feeling or what type of fatigue is this day or this event going to create? So I'm going into a very contentious one-on-one that I know is going to be full of conflict. It's going to really shake me and be uncomfortable. It's going to be emotionally fatiguing. So the break I take before and the break I take after is going to be an emotional recovery strategy. So you mentioned, you know, maybe going for a walk out in nature. Nature can be very good for our emotional system. And in this way, we can be very, very precise. I even go as far as to have different music. You know, people don't think about it, but you know, if I'm emotionally fatigued, which by the way, I think people confuse emotional fatigue and burnout because the fact that it's invisible and the fact that it creeps up on me, it feels so similar to burnout and burnout is often the accumulation of emotional fatigue that was un, untreated. Um, I sometimes like to watch a sad movie that makes me cry. It sounds crazy, but it's very cleansing. Yeah. Do you have any strategies like that for emotional fatigue that you found to be particularly useful? Yeah, I think I think you have to check in with yourself and ask ask yourself, hey, what do I need right now? Do I need something to build me up? Do I need to listen to some really poppy motivational music? Do I need to call a friend? Um, do I just need to sit and reflect? I think that's a really untapped um, or underrated therapeutic tool of just just downloading some of the stuff that's renting space in your brain that might not be serving you in that moment. Get it out on paper; it's still important to you, but then you don't have to dwell upon it. Um, I think those are some really powerful, uh, powerful tools. It could just be completely changing the environment. Um, even though a lot of our special forces guys have, they're, they spend a lot of time training outside. They spend a lot of time in nature, but they're, they're there with a demand placed on them as opposed to them just enjoying being outside. And so offering that as a tool um, to, to just change their environment with the specific intention of, I'm just here to observe. I'm just here to look around, breathe some fresh air make a few notes of cool things I see in my environment and then get back on the grind. I think that's, that's a good way to tackle really any type of fatigue, but really targeting that emotional piece. I want to ask you one last question and we'll wrap this up. Is it possible to inoculate someone to prepare them in a way that ahead of a huge load or ahead of a huge challenge or a hugely emotional or intense situation they can actually be stronger, more hardy. Yes, I, I definitely believe that you can. And I think that comes from a combination of training those performance systems. So you need to train the, the tactical or technical proficiency to the level of automaticity even. I mean, kind of overtraining so that you have those immediate responses um, when you need them. And then also it comes with training the recovery system and I say that instead of telling guys to get more sleep or, or take more breaks or relax because then they just kind of laugh because moderation just isn't really a, a thing in this community. But it's front loading um, certain routines, certain behaviors. Um, sleep hygiene is, is a huge one in that so that guys are really good at turning on when they need to turn on, but also dialing it differently, not when they need to turn off per se. Um, because it's not like we as humans don't function like a light switch, but how do you unwind and how do you deliberately attend to your body's relaxation response so that it can recharge for the next day? Um, I often, I never tell guys, hey, you need to relax before you enter the shoot house, but you need to relax in order to go to bed. You need to get yourself into a state of readiness 
for sleep differently than you get yourself into a state of readiness for your day. But I absolutely believe that equipped with a lot of these tools, people just knowing better how their brain works and testing some of these strategies out outside of their performance environment allows them to really be where their feet are and get out of their head and into their environment, which is where the most important information is coming from anyways. And oftentimes I think when we go so internal and we're constantly thinking, oh man, I'm tired, my tummy hurts, there's a lot going on in my head. I'm thinking about things yesterday and things tomorrow. All of those things just take us out of the present moment, which is the most important place to be. So the better we can practice being there and really showing up for the people and the tasks right in front of us, the hardier that we can become and the more mentally tough or however you want to call it, um, so that you have that when you need it most. Yeah, I love that. And even what I love is essentially what you're doing pre-mission is helping them build the systems and practice the systems that are going to help them be resilient when they're under this huge load. And so often we rush into this huge load, even though we knew it was coming. We knew that we were going to launch this product, you know, two quarters from now. But here we are unprepared from a physical human, well, I should say from a human performance standpoint, because we just think I'm just going to put my head down and grind through it. And that is not the way to actually improve hardiness. It's not the way to get stronger. So Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us and your experience from a very unique population, but I think one that our listeners can learn from too. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure. I hope you found that conversation as interesting and as useful as I did to talking about burnout and how we can actually get more hardy and stronger from the stresses and the loads that we're under. One of the things we talked about was how important it is to realize that burnout isn't really a product of just load, but often whether we reflect on the impact we made in that load or from that load, or rather we focused on just the load and our fatigue. So one thing I would challenge you to do, do you reflect every day on the impact that you made from the energy that you spent? Or are you focused on how tired you are or the amount of energy that you spent, which may lead to feelings that you're actually fatigued more or burning out? The second thing, we talked a little bit about Dr. Kobasa's work with commitment, challenge, and control. Do you constantly recharge your commitment? What is your purpose, passion, and meaning for what you're doing every day? How do you deal with challenge and change? And what do you do as far as things in your control? Do you constantly ask yourself, what's in my control, what's in my influence, and what's completely out of my control? There's nothing I can do about it. I think the next thing, we talked a little bit about taking a break. Are you purposeful about those breaks? Do you make sure that you oscillate, which means you work and you recover, you work and you recover, but do you take breaks that are very intentional, very purposeful, very strategic, which means where you place them and when you take them, and are they specific to what type of fatigue you might have, whether it's physical fatigue, cognitive cognitive fatigue, or emotional fatigue? In the end, I hope what you took away, and I think what Anna made so clear, is we can all inoculate ourselves against burnout. We can all approach our days differently. We can all change our mindset, and we can grow our capacity to deal with stress and load so that in the future, we can make a bigger impact without having to burn out. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and I look forward to seeing you in our next talk.